Brilliant. Huh. Right, let's uh, let's kick things off, I suppose. Um, hello, everyone. Again, we're back. Pissing everyone off, probably. We <laughs> <laughs> haven't started yet. I know, yeah. That's how, that's how bad we've got. Like, everyone's, I think everyone's sick of listening to us, to be honest, but hey-ho. <laughs> so uh, a few people that uh, kind of watch this will probably recognise who we've got on today, I imagine. Probably seen him knocking around... <laughs> A few uh, bar somewhere in the past. Yeah, probably. Usually, usually propping up a bar somewhere. Um, it is uh, the wonderful Aaron Smallman, who I've known for far too long. Yeah, what's it now? Um, five, five or six years? On Chester. Yes, yeah, six. Just six over six years. years, I think. Yeah. Oh fucking hell! I know it's a very long time ago. <laughs> I flies and you having fun, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Well, when you're drunk a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Although you were just saying you've done ninety-one days not drinking, that's pretty. Yeah, cool. ninety-one days not drinking. So uh, from the from the start of lockdown, um, made a little uh, little challenge to myself and just said, oh, "Well, while this is being forced upon you, you might as well get your head in a good place." Um, and uh, my housemates don't drink, so that sort of social aspect was taken out of it. Um, and it was just something that I thought, you know what, give it give it a try, um, move things uh, move things forward, and um, yeah, you're getting on with it. So. I'm as surprised as anyone that I've got this far, but I'm still going with it. So, I am. Uh, I, for one, am very impressed. Um, yeah, well, when I told you beforehand, <laughs> you basically just went fuck off. <laughs> well, I'm just. Uh, yeah, I am very impressed. Um, so, um, would you like to mind just doing a quick little sort of intro about yourself and kind of your career to date? I suppose yeah. um, for everyone. Cool. Um, so my name is Aaron Smallman. I have been in the industry for <clears throat> 14 years. I was originally an alchemist bartender um, way, way back in Manchester. Um, I was ex-operations. I was the first actually operations for New World Trading Company. Um, so when we started, uh, we had three sites. Um, I think Chester was the fourth, I believe. Um, which is where me and Andy met. Um, so Smuggler's Cove uh, was my sort of pet project and still at Rum Cabinet is part of my soul, still lives in that and I love it. Um, so yeah, the operation then took a little break from the industry and travelled the world um, for six months, which was really cool. I come back and managed the Birmingham Whiskey Club, which um, we took from, I think it was just under 100 whiskies to nearly 400 in a year. Um, we got nominated for Imbibe's Whiskey List of the Year um, two years in a row as well, which for a new opening was pretty cool. And then I returned to Manchester and was one of the bar managers at Albert Schloss, which is the busiest venue in the city. Um, so yeah, uh, it's carnage, but in a, in a good way. So, And um, now we are here talking all things rum. Brief summary of my career. <laughs> That's uh, that's you. It seems like you never shy away from a challenge. All those things sound really difficult. Yeah, <laughs> apart, no, I, from, I, <laughs> apart from six months traveling, obviously. Yeah, well, that, but the thing is, all the challenges beforehand drive you to that because you're just like, right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm gonna go sit on a beach somewhere and just like, <laughs> like hide away from the world. Um, yeah, I think it, it's. I've been so fortunate in my career because I basically I went to uni and I studied geochemistry. Um, and got a, uh, a master's degree and it was looking at rocks which is not that interesting bartending whilst at university as loads of people do so during the day you're looking at rocks and you're like it's just in the day. no offence to it if you, there's any geologists <laughs> I doubt it don't worry yeah. <laughs> I don't know what your uh, what your target audience is but, um, 
and then going and doing like the social side of it was um was like working in clubs so i used to work in m2 which is one of the biggest student clubs in, in manchester and then it was it's just weird how things progressed like i didn't know what to do after uni so i was just i was actually sat playing poker on a laptop and looked on gumtree and there was advertisements for the alchemist opening it said a bar opening i turned up to the interviews with bright blue hair um very nearly got the wrong place so i nearly actually just sacked it off and did off um, managed to find the right place. Went with them, became an IST and a head bartender. Um, then left them for a little bit and through a chance meeting, went to ops of um, New World Trading Company. So then there was always the next sort of challenge and you were naturally pushing it. You're like, you know, I mean, the, the guys above you wouldn't let you like not do your best, essentially. So that just became a standard and it just sort of set the benchmark pretty high. So when you looked at things like the, the whiskey club, you would go like, start with it was it was fairly small you know, you had like 80 or 90 whiskeys but you go using our past experience we can do this and we can do that and look how we can progress this and it because you've seen what's possible it it's really easy to then sort of follow those steps into into sort of um making something that's great and i remember back to my cv and it, it's, it's quite nice at times because you look back and you when you're a little bit lost you go do you know what you've actually done some quite really good stuff in the industry so yeah, it's been a it has been a challenge, and then I took on the biggest bar in the city, and I was just like, I got signed off two weeks before Christmas. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, okay. Oh, that was it. I see. I got signed off, and the next week we did an all-time record for Albert Schloss. Bear in mind, it's been open five years. Well, it's going into its fifth year of trading, and it's, it's increasing its revenue. It's that's uh, that's remarkable. Like yeah. that that place just seems to print money almost. It's it's eternal, and it's um it's mad how it transitions from one thing into another. So it's crazy. Do you think um obviously you kind of opened uh, Botanist Newcastle for New World as well? Do you think yeah. there's kind of certain similarities there? Do you think it, opening Newcastle helped you kind of transition or find it a lot easier? Kind of yeah. find efficiencies and with Albert Schloss. Yeah, definitely, and um it was. That, you talked about it a little bit on one of your, your past podcasts in terms of um, when you're opening, you're looking for the next thing to go wrong. And nine times out of ten, it's something that you never saw coming. Um, so then, yeah, you end up like just looking at the next thing to go wrong. And I did an interview with um, Chase, uh, Claire Horton, and said about volume bars. Like, it's the hardest and the easiest thing because as long as everyone is doing their job, it's quite streamlined, you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, when your pinch points are going to be, um, you know, when you're going to get hit. And one of the key things that I always had is I would set the back of house perfectly. Back of house is a shithole and it shambles. You ain't going to be able to service properly. Um, so yeah, all I would do is then same thing in Newcastle. You walk in and you know what I mean? Like glassware wouldn't come out fast enough and that sort of thing. And it's just like you walk in, it's just like a teenager's bedroom, and you're just like, there's a fucking shit hole in here, boys. If you organize it and make it clean, um, stuff will start flowing. So it's like, what can you do now to predict what you're doing in the future? Um, and that's always been sort of key, and I think that you'll have this experience as well. Um, but it's knowing where you're going to be in an hour's time, two hours' time, tomorrow, in terms of like fucking always having that. It's difficult to turn that monologue off in your head, but it means that your service is very, very easy. Um, you can see basically when are we going to be in the shit and what can we do about it now to stop it 
I think that's one of the biggest skills, kind of like an unspoken thing with bartenders, people that are able to preempt what's going to happen. People that yeah. have that mindset where they don't like just being stood stationary, just like hanging about. If they're not, if they're not doing anything, they'll be, you know, refilling juices, doing some extra prep, cleaning, resetting the station. Because some people, it just seems like they naturally kind of have that yeah. innately, you know, that um, kind of that drive to keep moving and keep doing something. And some yeah. people won't. And then they don't seem to learn from the fact that because they've not preempted what's going to happen, it's made their life harder further down the line. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like people with messy stations and things like that. It, yeah. it always blows my mind because you'll see them do it once. And it's like, right, you just kind of take a step back and just see how they deal with it. See how they react. Hopefully next time they're going to realize maybe if I just, you know, refilled these juices, my life would have been easier for that little uh, rush that we got. And then you'll see them do it again. And then you'll see them do it again. And it's some people just don't get it. Uh, the projects that we're releasing is all about that sort of mindset because we're talking about the strength of bartenders and obviously it's a very, very difficult industry. Um, so how can we make our bartender's life easier? So you decide it's just seeing those problems come in and even as simple as there is refilling those duties. It's four o'clock on a Saturday. You sell a fucking million porn star martinis every day. You're going to need more pineapple juice. Fucking get it refilled. Like, do you know what I mean? Fucking started. And you look at it from a, you were trying to do it in a little bit of a financial point of view. I'm not saying it's the end of it, but you go, the slicker and easier your service is, the more likely you are to get tipped. And, you know I mean, if you're stood there and refilling the pineapple juice, and someone's just stood there like, we got a porn star martini, but you didn't want refilling juice it, so what the fuck are we going to do here? Like, it, it has a knock-on effect. And then, because you haven't done that, the guy who's next in line is waiting longer as well. Then it can, it can very, very easily snowball from something as simple as you haven't been looking forward your life easier yeah, yeah i think sure, sure. i think it, it's one of those things that is uh it's such a, like an underrated skill almost uh, with with bartenders that maybe are kind of quite new to the industry or or don't really know do you think it's trainable about... do, do you think <laughs> if, if someone has if someone doesn't do it but they are brand new to the industry do you think there are or do you think this is person dependent, for example? So is it like, always be looking for your next thing? So obviously we used to do it with a fucking bar screen. If, like, if, if I see you stood still, the object I'm going to hit you with is going to get heavier. So you might as well find something to do. Obviously you have to be nicer about it these days. But do you think that bartenders can learn that? Or do you think there's some people that just will never get it? Uh, I was just going to say, I think it's kind of, I think it's a little bit to do with the culture that you kind of cultivate yourself. So, Obviously, initially when you hire someone, other than, you know, the CV that you look at and maybe like a sit-down chat, potentially, you know, shadow them on a few shifts. Other than that, you're only getting like a minor snapshot into what they're like and their personality type. And like, I know I'm a prime example. It took a long time for me to come out of my shell anyway. And you often find that with people, especially in teams, such as the teams that, that we've often worked with, where it's quite big characters. It can be quite intimidating to go into an environment where everyone already seems like they're friends and shifts just run smoothly because everyone interacts and they know each other very well you know so to kind of like try and find your own place within that can be a little bit difficult yeah however i think that if you kind of cultivated uh, a kind of workplace environment that promotes all those kind of like positive um skills you know like preempting what's going to happen being really proactive all that kind of thing i almost think that it will naturally sort of weed out the people that aren't that bothered 
because yeah. they'll think it's too much work. Do you know what I mean? They'll think like, why do I have to do like a changeover for someone? Like, you know, my shift says that I'm rotated on till five o'clock. I'm not going to stay till 20 past five to make sure that the stations are reset. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Whereas the people that really care will kind of take it upon themselves. Obviously with, of course, sufficient training and uh, encouragement and whatever from the existing team. But I think like you really need to get them at the core and instill that in people as soon as they get through the door. If yeah. you've got someone that's say like a lazy trainer, and they're saying things like, oh, you know, don't, don't worry too much about doing a poor test. No one really cares anyway about the results. Or, yeah. you know, they're not really checking you out properly on breakdowns. They're going to kind of like get into that flow. I think yeah. it's kind of like, a, just like with anything in life, I think it's kind of like a constant thing that has to be worked on, right? Like your own, you know, your own personality and your thoughts and beliefs and whatever. You're constantly adapting and changing and stuff like that. And I think it's the same with how, you adapt and work you know i think it's a case of you've constantly got to keep on people's backs about stuff and you've constantly got to keep updating your training plans yourself and sort yeah. of developing how you want things to to move on and learn from your mistakes and stuff so i think it's a very fluid thing i don't think it's a case of just like there's x kind of people that have the skill and why yeah. they don't i think it's a constant you know yes yeah, it's, it's not as, it's it's a gray area is probably the wrong word it's not as simple as a yes or no um, and especially can be that, like you said, the culture shift is really interesting. You said that, Jack, because um, one of my uh, key like ethoses of this new project is um, having a paradigm shift and putting a new culture into hospitality where excellence is a standard, but it's not in a way at the sacrifice of the bartender. So, in the thing of hospitality business, is having those two words be equally balanced because there's a lot of focus on the business and not a lot of focus on the hospitality side of it. So for example, first thing they will do is look to cut hours to save money. Whereas I've always been of the mindset of what if you found a way for your bartenders to be more productive because the easiest way for your bar to run is for you to increase your revenue because then suddenly budgets, which are like your glassware budget and your wages and your percentages, you've got more to play with, if that makes sense. So instead of scaling stuff down, and you look at ways of increasing your profits. Um, so yeah, and I agree with what you're saying there in terms of it's difficult that someone might be very proactive and they, they know that they should be looking at topping the juices and do, and I'm going to correct the juice again and again and again. But we set in their station, but that doesn't necessarily mean they do it. And it's a little bit of that thing of you go, well, he doesn't do it or he left me in the shit, so I'm going to leave him in the shit. And it's just like that the tap thing just sort of needs to go. And it's having that mindset of you go, like you said there about finishing at five, I could stay an extra 15 minutes here and make this guy's life so much easier. And saying, is there anything you want from me before I sign out? And they go, no, mate, you're all good. And you go, right, have a good shift, man. Thank you very much. You know what I mean? Rather than just fucking off the bar and you're like, you know what I mean? They've left you and you haven't had a proper handover. Um, and realizing that actually if they come on the bar at four and say there's an hour changeover and everything's done, you're like, mate, but sit down, have a pint, it's on me. We used to do that in, in, in Alchemist. I still remember there was one bartender setting up. He did a busy Friday set up on his own. Like, How are you, man? It's just like, yeah, dude, just say now everything's done. Do it, check out. It's just like, I literally need you to change everything, do a poor test, and, you, and we can go. But I was full. He was on his own. Everything was like absolutely boxed off. I was like, mate, thank you so much for that. And next time when he was hanging out with his ass, like, I'm cover my shit. Like, yeah, coach, come on, because we've got each other's backs. Having that, um, having that cool change hospitality to work as a team because I think that's going to be so key going forward and getting through this so 
Yeah, yeah. I think another quite key thing as well is sort of like, um, and it obviously goes with like cultivating a good work environment, but it's sort of like, um, if you will, kind of like reinforcing the fact that the job that people are doing behind the bar is actually quite important and it is something you can take a lot of pride in. Obviously, yes. hospitality, there's such a range of of different venues in the UK, right from kind of like traditional pubs up to, you know, five-star hotel kind of bartending and, and everything in between. Yeah. And there's obviously some instances on that spectrum where people will take a lot of pride in their work. And then yeah. there's other establishments where it's a case of, it's just like a conveyor belt. You just pour in pints for 12 hours, just get it, get them in, get them out, you know. And just a drinks machine, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I kind of think that depending on where you've worked and what your conceptions or preconceptions of hospitality are, will kind of depend on how you view it as a job. I think some people really respect it, especially people that have had some run-ins in the past, whether they're like chefs or whether they've kind of worked in hotels or, yeah. you know, work behind bars and they've got friends that work behind bars or people that kind of take a bit more of an active interest in like spirits or beers or wines. Yeah. Once you actually kind of start to delve a bit deeper, you realize that some people that stood behind these bars actually have a really wide skill set and knowledge base when it comes to, you know, some of these things. And I think yeah, that if, yeah, and I think if you sort of actively try and encourage people to take on additional qualifications or learn more or go to competitions or get out there and meet people, if they start meeting people that have more respect for what they do, they in turn will have more respect for what they're doing as well and take it yeah. a bit more seriously. Do you know what I exactly. mean? I think that's one of the reasons that I um, sort of decided to do this. When we sat down for the first training with the Alchemists uh, nine years ago, I think it might have been now, long time ago um it was the trainers there that got us on board because their personality shone out and it was that they were meeting the standards that were expected of you were clear from the start done in a really um informative fun way accessible as well so they're just like they know that they expect a certain amount out of you and i worked harder in that um in that training for opening that bar than i did at university so i was staying with a friend and i would i would work all through the night, sleep, get up in the morning, like early beforehand and revise specs and things uh, again. Um, and that was to do with actually them setting an example of like, yeah, we've opened bars all up and down the country. We've, um, you know, we've done this as, as a, as a career in some of the, the coolest bars in this, in the country. Um, and that was like, it was having someone that you respected and also, and looked up to and almost like a, like a future target. And it's really weird how, I was actually, I had the opportunity to do that as well. So I've, I mean, I was actually, years later, was in their position. And I remember distinctly actually in Birmingham, I was interviewing a bartender and he said, you see everyone that's interviewing here, they all started sat where you are. And he ended up being my head bartender. And he's, and you see the penny dropped in his, in his head and he just went, yeah, yeah, everyone here. Um, so the ops manager there, yeah, she was a GM, she started off as a bar back and blah, 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 blah. And it's then, being able to show them the vision of this is a career path that you can climb. It's not just a pint behind the bar. You can't do that. That's a beautiful variable that you can do. Um, but having that sort of, um, yeah, being able to show people that you can, not only is this a proper career, and then people say you get a proper job, but there's loads of ways you can do it as well. Yeah, yeah I, I think there's that... Um the only thing you probably can't train is that kind of, it's that almost, well, probably two things actually. The 
one's attention to detail, I think that's very difficult to try and train into someone from my experience. Yeah. Um, when people say something's clean and you go, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's when you look at it from a distance and you go, I can see it's not clean from here. Yeah. <laughs> and like sort of that um, kind of innate sort of just care almost. It's like, it's very hard to kind of teach someone to care, I suppose, and care yeah. about what they're doing. And, and probably it probably kind of stems from, like you said, people they maybe interact with or people they've worked with previously, you know, in bars that maybe people aren't really that bothered. Yeah. So it kind of gets them into that kind of attitude where, oh, well, this person's my, my bar manager or whatever, and, and they don't really seem that bothered. So I could probably, you know, get a promotion but not actually be that bothered. Yeah, it's really it's really tricky when you go, how do you break down? And they go, yeah, yeah, it's, it's fine. And if you know that the, the duty manager that's closing is not going to step on that bar and check it out, are you going to do a good breakdown? So that's, that's having that mindset. So it's really interesting, actually. Like I've been reading a lot of um, development books, and one is called Atomic Habits. That's making like little changes to getting people in good habits. And one of the points is that you make good habits easy. So if you, for example, if there's things like uh, you want to get in the habit of day dotting all your fresh produce, is you make sure that the, like, in the back of house where all their like, chopboard knives and all that sort of stuff, ADOTs are all readily available for them. So when they go in, like lines or whatever, if the barback or whoever's doing it literally just has to go and put it on, that's easy. If they've got to go upstairs and dig around in the cupboard to try and find a ADOT, are they going to fucking do it? Probably not. If you can have that sort of mindset and say, how can we make these little attention to detail easy by, by forward thinking, then suddenly you've got um, a different sort of standards being, being set on the bar. So... I'm really interested to apply that, well, to try and apply that to different bars across the across the city, um, and see how we can make our our guys' lives easier. So, yeah. yeah. So, with this kind of new project, kind of what is it? Can you go into a bit more detail about it? Kind of what it, what's it all about? And the project title is called uh, "Let's Push Things Forward." With the idea nice, to nice. change in the mindset <laughs> in hospitality. Just stop you there. I'm already in. I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's probably a, a street <laughs> reference. But, uh, <laughs> if, it's, if it's not intentional, then uh, yeah, go listen to the song. But, that, uh, that's the thing. I've got um, I've got loads of like little uh, little like subheadings as well. So the title of my um, my podcast is called Small Man Small Talk, and it's like why the fuck not, man? So. Um, <laughs> One second. So the idea is to basically create a, um, a a culture shift in hospitality with the view that it's this is going to be tricky. Um, we're not kidding ourselves and saying this is going to be easy, but we will get through this. Um, we will certainly, um, the hospitality industry will never die in terms of we are very, very good at overcoming problems. So how can we help bars do this so this actually started as a very um um it was a little personal project where i was going to travel up and down the country and um basically catch up with friends and it was an excuse me to basically have a pint and we just chatted about um valley and then obviously um the uh, the coronavirus and the global pandemic happened and i was speaking to jules who's one of the, uh, the old gm from botanist who owns his um, own boozer now in birmingham and he's like, well, if we could have a chat about um, what bars are going to be like going forward, then maybe that would be a really like, a big help to people. And having a sort of um, a platform that they could reach out to 
and guides to help them and ideas and that sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, cool. Let's, let's see what we can do about it. And it just started rolling in, in the weirdest sort of way. So I shared a post, um, it's actually this Friday, sorry, tomorrow, that there's um, a, a webinar about what bars are going to be like in the future. I shared that and said, oh, and I'm actually looking forward to having this little project. Going to be my, my podcast. Someone got in contact with me and said, um, oh, in fact, this is going live, so I can obviously just go to it. So um, an old uh, manager from Australasia who's uh, called Edvoria, he was basically doing something called Hospitality Life UK. And he got in contact with me and was like, she's going to do a project which is about the sort of compliance and back of house side of things. But with the view of, if you know how to write a rotor to look after your staff, your productivity flourish. Things along that sort of line. And she is looking along the lines of uh, things like a, um, a membership with free content and then paid content later. I'm looking at more things like social media, um, doing on-site training and that sort of stuff. Um, and it just fit together really nicely in terms of raising the bar and bouncing off each other. So we've been accountable now. What's your plan for the week? Um, you give us a list of tasks that you're going to do. I'll do the same thing. And then on Friday, we'll make sure that we've got them done. And we run ideas by each other and we um, and we sort of progress from there. So it was weird how, like I said, these things happen in, in really, really strange ways. She was originally going to release on the start of June and then her project got delayed. We've just both agreed to go on the 29th of, um, 29th of June now. So that's how we want um, the five key points project relaunch so getting bars and restaurants um, open again in a safe but profitable manner in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, opportunity knocks so welcoming the challenges and the restrictions in place in the future and instead of thinking them as burdens showing um, using them as a chance to show venues hospitality creativity and resourcefulness Safe and sound, so keeping customers and staff safe while delivering valuable customer experience and creating a secure environment for everyone. Um, creating and adapting to the new normal, so normal or abnormal, um, which is guiding staff through this, uh, this tough time and making sure that um, we give them a chance to excel, but we prioritise staff welfare as we're going through this. Um, and the last point is making it rain, so seeing how we can improve Profit by uh, minimizing spending, looking at other revenue streams, and uh, simplifying and streamlining our whole service. So, for example, we're looking at things where, for the sake of not uh, of reducing our cross contamination, you might say we're going to pre-batch these drinks so that the bartender is touching less um, less bottles. He's going, and there's, there's less risk of, of spreading disease. Yeah, okay, that's that's the right thing to do. But why aren't we doing that anyway? That takes the stress away from the bartender because instead of making that one drink and he's here and he's here and he's here and he's doing this, make it easy for him to get this product onto the bar. He can reduce his stress levels, his productivity is going to go up. Not going in the future. So yeah, that's my um, my main sort of uh, goal is to create that sort of paradigm shift. And it's nice that we've talked about there. We're talking about like attention to detail and forward thinking. And if we can set that as a standard then we can, we can keep pushing that forward to the new normal and things like staff well-being. You, more than ever, should be saying to your staff, right, how are you doing? Like, pre-shift meetings, post-shift meetings, how was that for you? What did you struggle with? Tell me something you're looking forward to, blah, 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 blah. 
and then that should just become a standard. So your your staff members don't become anonymous. You know, you might not have thought about the fact that you've got one bartender on who's been on furloughed, and he might get lonely because he's stood on the bar on his own just churning out drinks, and he's not he's not got because there's no bar service. Having that mindset, if you go right, I'm going to check in with this bartender, make sure he's all right, see if there's ways that I can help him. I'm going to change the, like- the, the mindset of hospitality. So once again, I've set myself a big fucking challenge. Uh, it seems like a, a nice approach because obviously you, of course, you you're coming at it um, in the direction that bottom line things are businesses. So all this stuff does kind of need to equate to um, you know how a business is going to help, is how it's going to help business you know gain more revenue and develop and and you know stay relevant and yeah. whatnot. But it's quite nice given that you have the background that you have. Obviously, you are really focused on how it feels to be a member of staff in the trenches. You know, you're not just a third party coming in and, and looking at numbers on a spreadsheet. You're actually thinking about that day-to-day, hour-to-hour experience, not only of the customers that come in, but also the staff that are there kind of holding the fort, which is really, really yeah. nice. And obviously, any businesses that you were to work with and kind of try and get them to adopt this approach, or I would hope that any bars or restaurants you're working with already had this approach somewhat ingrained in their, you know, training and practices anyway. But if you yeah. were to help, you know, develop that or whatever, I'm sure it would be comforting for a lot of staff to, to know they were going in to work for a company that did really care about, you know, their, care about their input and their experiences and stuff like that. So, so it's, nice it's massive, isn't it? You, you think about... So as we are sat here and it's, we're recording on the 18th of June and it's been three months since we've been furloughed and there are bars out there that might not have checked on their staff and they might not know that their staff are no longer their staff because they haven't checked up on them. Now, the guys that I've been communicating with are just like, yeah, we check on our staff all the time. We've got a helpline set up. Um, for example, Slot, um, they've got someone manning the phones Monday to Friday. If you just want to over anything that's concerning you, which is great. Um, they've got um, an online GDPR compliant um, messaging service called Yapster um, and there's updates on that so the CEO of the company is updating all the staff in the company best he can because it is a little bit of a guessing game at times um, and if you look at like Bar Life UK for example they did a survey it's, um, the the number of people wasn't wasn't massive but the results from it was only 10% of people said they were definitely going to stay in hospitality. 39% of people actively looking for another job. So it might be a way that people actually have actually have enjoyed this lifestyle and go, you know what, I'm actually getting some like proper sleep and I have to work on my own things. It's like, well, I get every weekend off being a day walker. Like, fucking hell, that, that might be for me. Um, so, yeah, and, it, and then... If you're looking at that from a positive point of view, you might look at, okay, well, actually, the, the guys that we're left with in hospitality are the guys that are doing it because they're living into their career and we're left with a really smaller but very um, a, a pool of talent that wants to push themselves forward if, we, if we're going to look at it from a positive perspective. Um, so, yeah, how, um, how businesses have treated their staff throughout this period is going to be key um, and how they can go forward. Because some people almost subconsciously will have been working on this because they're checking on their staff all the time. And some of their staff members might be, no, I can't wait to get back to work. I'm so grateful that such and such has been checking on us and has been offering me advice and reassurance and that sort of thing. And if we can find a way with this project to help that and assist um, managers and, and owners and staff members with it, then fair play to us.
think the one thing we, we need to make sure we do as well is there'll be different guides and stuff coming out, but we make sure that we have our managers. Um, uh, obviously, they're going to get pressure from above, get pressure from below with staff needing reassurance, guys above them maybe changing procedures or whatever it might be. Those managers are going to be key as well because if we have the old attitude of living in the past and going, that's what you get paid for, we go, well, actually, we need to make sure that if our managers are, you know, well-rested, productive, and in a great mindset, they're going to find it much easier to run shift. They're going to find it much easier to, to motivate their staff and help people out. We can't just ignore that pressure point within our within our hierarchy of staff members in our building. Yeah, yeah. Communication has been one of the really tricky things throughout all of this situation for everyone, really, I think, just because it's been so unclear as to, like, you know, initially the impacts of the the illness itself like what was going to happen you know lockdown they kept kind of shifting the goalposts because they you know the government was trying to just work with information that they had and new information was constantly coming out of course um so then in turn that and their own employees really... weren't complying with it either <laughs> yeah yeah exactly, exactly. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, and then of course that sort of it really impacts then um staff and the communication that ground level staff are getting because managers and, and people that are running sites aren't aware of when we're going to be going back to work, for example, or what, yeah. um, you know, what things are going to be imposed on as restrictions wise and stuff. It's really hard to communicate that out. Um, obviously the, the really big thing initially was the whole pay thing. I remember there was like a week or so where just like everyone was in limbo, you know, and, and like me, for example, in the position that I'm in, so I'm currently managing the bar and smugglers, like people were asking me what the situation was and what yeah. was going to be happening. And I didn't know, and I didn't know what was happening with with my own pay and, yeah. and what was going to be going on. And, and it feels really bad to to come from a point of view where I usually have an answer for people, or I have a reason behind why I'm asking them to do something. And, and you know, it's I would never certainly ask someone to do something that I wouldn't expect to do myself. It's really hard to then suddenly just be, say to someone like. I've got no idea. Sorry, yeah, I've got no idea. Your guess is as good as mine, mate. <laughs> yeah. But on the flip side, you know, communication is key. And I would rather be honest with people and say, look, right now, I don't know what's going on, but we are all in the same boat. Yeah. I'll keep you posted. I think that's better than an approach I imagine some people will take, or certainly more careless business owners where it's just that thing of just like sweep it under the carpet or, you know, Very like, bill, and let's, just, yeah, let's just put it in the drawer and forget yeah, about yeah. it. And, you know, it's yeah, just going to affect it right. worse. So, yeah, it's uh, like getting a fucking a bad bill through the post in it. And it's like, if I ignore that, that'll probably go away. It's like, that's fucking not Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be really important. Um, when we all get back to it, I think, um, We've seen you doing a lot of stuff uh, to do with like mental health side of things, um, kind of yeah. over this lockdown stuff and beforehand even, um, which is really good. Do you think as an industry we're becoming much more aware of it and how do you think we can kind of improve on all this sort of like mental health? So it's it's becoming uh, more prevalent than ever. So actually uh, I've got two, um, two partners. Um, one of them is So Let's Talk. So, so let's talk is started by Paddy Howley and it's um, a non-for-profit um, hospitality mental health well-being organization. It's a long string of words, but I think, I think that's the correct, uh, correct way of phrasing it. Um, and their idea is um, in um, a new standard, similar to what, I, um, what I'm aiming to do, but with specifically workers, 
in terms of we don't realize, or maybe we do, um, that you know how easy we turn to drink, for example, after we're in shift. Um, and actually just making people aware that this, again, a little bit like communication, is there are now platforms available that for people not to suffer the silence. The tagline is 86 the silence. Um, and the whole thing actually, Paddy's an amazing guy. Um, he's very open and honest about his past. Um, and the whole thing stemmed from um, him not being in a very good place and wanting to make a change. Um, and not only make a change for himself, but make a change moving forward as well. And the mental health in hospitality is now more prevalent than ever and is going to be key into the future. So it's getting out of those old mindsets. For example, for me, I this thing about having a working week and having a balanced lifestyle. Now, you know, Andy, that I used to work myself into the ground and I used to not, not balance my life at all. Um, and I thought that that was making me happy. Like sort of almost chasing the dragon in terms of, especially you said about ambitious projects, oh, this will be the next thing, this will be the next thing. And that's the reason I took a six months break. So I just went, fuck this. I've got a one-way ticket to Bangkok. Um, and I tried never to come back, but they called me so I had to come back, uh, which, is, which is a bit unfortunate. Um, but making people aware of there are alternatives. There are ways that you can be a bartender and have a balanced lifestyle. There are ways that you can not let this um, this industry consume you. And uh, the, the, the survey from Barlife UK, um, the two main concerns for people was if they would have a job and how they would pay their rent hierarchy of needs. Very few people are actually concerned about getting the virus full stop, which I thought was quite interesting. But money is a massive, you know what I mean? Like your life is much easier when you have it. Um, so finding ways that people can improve that um, going forward. So yeah, that just started really randomly as well. It was Adam Dolman t- uh, tagged me in a push-up challenge. Yeah. And I'd nearly commented on his saying that like a, a couple of days before, saying, oh, you look really good actually, mate. Um, and he tagged me in it. I was like, oh. <laughs> 824 as well I nearly got away with it without doing it but I went you know what there might be ways that I can um, I can help people here and I think it's it's quite interesting how I've worked on myself a lot I'm not trying to get all like zen and hippie and stuff here but I have looked at what I've been doing in the past and thought you know what you're 32 years old maybe you need to put some of this shit out um and I've worked on sort of habits and little things to, to put myself in a very in, in a much better place than I was. I think there must be some people are struggling with this and they don't know where to turn. So even if it's just me sat in front of a camera, sat in some shit for a couple of minutes, I have the, the outreaching of people coming to me and saying, like, hey, thank you so much for just reaching out, loving what you're doing. Um, it, it drives me forward in terms of, you know what, it's just good that it's meeting people. But I've had people that, um, a mate of mine, for example, she said that she stopped drinking because I've stopped drinking. Um, and she's realized that it was making her feel like shit. So I said, all right, man, well, when we see each other, if we fancy it, we'll have a drink, but yeah, keep going with it. And she just said, the world has, has improved massively during lockdown because of what I've been doing. And that was sort of that was massive for me, to be honest with you. I was just like, fucking hell, I, I, hopefully I can, I can make a difference here with, with what I'm doing. So, yeah. Um, it's been really exciting and Paddy's been a massive help um, with uh, not only self-development but um, guiding the, the sort of the project forward as well and there's a lot of mistakes that are going to happen but 
I feel I'm in the best headspace and best shape physically and mentally to deal with them that I ever have been. So, yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's really tough. And this is another thing that we, we've got to bear in mind as well. Is we are in a climate that, where it's going to be tough going forward um, and you're, so your biggest variable. And, you know, in terms of you want to keep them safe, you want them to have a good time, um, you don't want them interacting with each other, which is anti-hospitality and that's very very difficult and um, you are giving them a drug that lowers their inhibitions um, and shortens their attention span so when you lay out some new rules for them as they drink more they are more inclined to come to the bar to ask for something even though there's no bar for to go to a table that's not theirs to introduce themselves and be like hi mate isn't it nice to be out again and people are like Whoa, what, are you, what are you doing like you're not meant to be there um, and there are bars that uh, usually have bartenders that drink on shift so I will never say anything about that because I've done it plenty of times. Um, but you see it where the bartender is drinking on shift and it, the, the further it goes after a certain point, it inhibits your ability to do your job. So when this bartender has got new protocols and he's got new um, ways that he has to be clean and whatever he has to do is his new normal, he's getting, he or she is getting worse at them because they are drinking on So that might be something that needs addressing. Um, and that's, that's tough. I don't have the, the perfect answer for that um, because every bar is running a different way, but it's another consideration that we need to have as we are, as we are reopening these bars, um, what then becomes the new normal. And you might have to say to people, no guys, I am sorry that this is what we used to do and, it, and things have changed, um, but there is no drinking on shift anymore. So I think, I think one thing to really reinforce that will probably help in, and moving that forward is just this whole notion of like responsibility. So obviously as bartenders or anyone that's working in the site, you know, you are responsible for the people that are coming in. So as a bartender, you should always be keeping an eye out, you know, reading the room, seeing what's happening, you know, um, all, all in your environment. And then when people come up to the bar, obviously it's your responsibility to, you know, recommend stuff, um, you know, get them to try something new, be a bit knowledgeable, but also make sure what you're serving to them is, is um I don't know, saying like oh you know making sure what you're serving them safe or whatever sounds a bit like I don't know what you'd be serving someone that wasn't safe but you know for yeah. example like right down to the root of like make sure you've done a poor test before a shift so you know that when you're making someone a drink you are following the specs you're doing it accurately because otherwise you might be serving someone something that's too strong or you know they're, they're paying for something that they're not actually getting or whatever um yeah. but yeah basically this whole notion of responsibility I think is it's always definitely an undercurrent in, in, in a role such as a bartender's job role. But yeah. I don't think people always think about it that actively, you know. Whereas I think when we go back to this now, the responsibility really is going to be on every member of staff that's in that building. They're going to have to make sure they're upholding the standards 100%. Otherwise... Yeah, the accountability is massive. Yeah, exactly. And the scrutiny that a company would come un under just due to like one person's missteps one afternoon in the bar, you know... It could have a massive, massive impact. And I found, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I've found that the kind of almost ties in a little bit with the drinking thing, but I feel like the older you get, and I'm not saying I'm any of us are old by any means, and I, I'm, I'm 27. I mean, but I like, am. Even, but let's <laughs> I can confirm even, that I am. Let's go on with it. Even in comparison to when I was 22, 23, I can't go out and do. I can't go out and drink like I used to do and have that stamina, you know what I mean? And yeah. that thing you were saying of kind of being there, done that now as someone that's a little bit older, you can 
look back and tell the people retrospectively, some point soon, you're going to hit this brick wall as well. And I know yeah. when I was younger, you know, people always say, oh, when you get to my age, you, know, you can't yeah. do this anymore. And you always think, that's never going to happen to me. And then all of a sudden, I wake up and my back hurts as well, you know. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm one of them old people complaining about my bad back. Yeah, no, it's but, happened, um, it's happened. <laughs> this notion of responsibility, I feel like the more responsibility that you have on your shoulders, naturally, the more um, seriously you kind of take your job, you know. Yeah. So when you're just a bartender, you kind of think, oh, well, you know, there's installed trainers above me and head bartenders, and I'm not really, there's not many repercussions for what I do, you know. And then as you move up IST, all of a sudden, everyone that you train, if they then get on the bar and they're not that good, it's kind yeah. of on you because you've not shown them the ropes. Head bartender, you know, goes up another notch and up a notch and up a notch. I feel like if the baseline level for this responsibility is is already very, very high. I think right from the get-go, really reinforcing that with every member of staff. As a result, I would hope that they would naturally kind of like take everything that they're doing a bit more seriously. You know, they need to make sure that when they do go into work, they are fully aware. They're not yeah. hungover. You know, they're not feeling a bit sluggish. Uh, likewise, yeah. on shift, they're not going to be drinking or doing anything they shouldn't be doing. I would no, hope no. that naturally that would all come, but obviously it's always going to be with a little push from... Yeah. Saw the likes of yourself, you know, with this, and, uh, and and keeping on with that sort of thing. So that's that, that ties in really nicely with the sort of whole thing about the mindset. So one thing that New World um, I think is doing is having one-on-one -on -one interviews when they come back. So they're basically like um, formal but informal. So like, how was your lockdown? Is there anything you were struggling with? Um, is there anything you want to confide in us? Like, you know what I mean? Some people might have been stuck in lockdown in an environment that really, really wasn't very good for them. Um, and they make notes of it so it goes on their file so you then go oh such and such isn't having a good time because there might be some people that are like yeah I'm raring to go let's get let's get going and some people are like almost like stuck in a rut and it's really hard to get out of you've got this one-on-one -on -one time for you to express how you're feeling but that's not an employment really that's um, that's that's a one-to-one -one. so that is every three months or six months or ho however often you want to do it you sit down with a senior member of your team and say what you're enjoying, where can you improve, what's your next steps, blah, 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 blah. And you set targets for going for, for what the next stage is of your progression. And it might be honest with you that you just go, do you know what, I'm just doing this part-time or I'm doing this full-time, but I'm doing this on the side. Okay, fine, is there any way we can help you with your projects on the side? Whatever, whatever it might be, it's very part-time specific. But those one-to-one -one, um, target and improvement sessions um, are, are key for when you reopen. So then that becomes a standard going forward. So you can say to someone, okay, well, this staff member, he's, he's a bar back. Um, struggles a bit during lockdown, so just needs a, a little bit of money, but he wants to get on the bar in six months. Sounds, yeah, no worries. And it's almost like chomping at the bit that, you know, a bar back that is going to get on board with all these protocols and do everything you need to fulfill your requirements on the bar. It's more used to you than a bartender that thinks he's better than all the stuff that's been put in place. So, yeah, it's again, it's about what do you put in place now to raise the standards and what do you keep in place and keep up, if that makes sense. Because I think you said there as well, Jack, you can have something in place, but it's the same for a year. For example, it's the same targets and there's no variation or there's no, you know what I mean? There's no change in it. Mm. Have you raised the targets? Are the targets meet, uh, meetable? Does that staff member have everything they need to get to that target? Um, so that's where the, the review comes in so you can say to them right we sat down three months ago we talked about this can you tell me how you're getting on 
and you go from there and then keep rolling it. And that's how you build a team. And that's how you sort of progress the, um, the individual um, strengths of, you, uh, of your team as a whole. So that's what we're going for.